Welcome to Objectively Speaking, a very special episode, if I might add. My name is Jeremy Paul. And I'm Laura Norman, and it's time to talk about some trades. Hell yeah, it is. We're going to talk a little bit today about the trade of Pierre-Luc Dubois in a third round 2022 pick to the Winnipeg Jets in exchange for left winger Patrick Laine, or maybe right winger, winger Patrick Laine, um, and center Jack Roslovic. Uh, of Columbus, Ohio. Uh, so, Laura, how are you feeling after today's trade, after today's events? Where are you at? I feel great. Mm-hmm. I am, I never ever thought this when I started being a fan that I would ever feel super happy to say goodbye to Pierre Luc Dubois because for the entire time that I've been a Blue Jackets fan, he has been a fan favorite. He's been, you know, this kid that we, we drafted him and we're building him into this incredible player. And he's, you know, our first line center and fans loved him. Um, and up until the last three and a half weeks, that all remained true. And then it all, the bridge was burnt so quickly with his announcement of requesting a trade from Columbus and not wanting to be here anymore. And then, which ultimately led up to the other night where he, whether he would ever admit to it or not, he purposely did not play well and purposely did not try to play um, in order to, I think, push our front office to speed up his trade. Um, He has not been he he has just not handled himself well um and definitely not been respectful of columbus and what they've done for him for his career again we've said it time and time before that we we may never know why he wanted to leave so badly and so quickly but to be this disrespectful in your the beginning of your fourth season to the team that drafted you and has done nothing but give you opportunity after opportunity is really a bad look for someone's career. So I am so happy to have his negative energy and his drama out of our locker room. Yeah, and I mean, whether or not the players will admit it or not, I think it's very clear just from today's result that we recapped on episode five. Uh, You can check that out as well if you're listening to today's podcast. But, um, you know, they'll never admit it, but they played better. Like, they played like they had a sense of urgency, and they played like they had a sense of pride that I just haven't seen here in those first five games. So to see that today was really refreshing, and it kind of, you know, I mean – this team is only going to get better with the addition of Jack Rossovic and Patrick Laine to the, to the lineup that we saw here today. And so for me, like, it's just been like a day of a sense of renewed optimism about this team. I won't say that I was like, had given up on this team or given up on the season that by no means had I done that, but um, you know, it also creates like this re- like different energy for what might be the future of the Columbus Blue Jackets. You know, like you said, and it feels like it was so long ago that we learned about Pierre Dubois' desire to be traded. Um, and then, you know, he re-signs and we're like, oh, okay, cool. And then like 12 hours later, it's like, not actually not cool, still not cool. So I think for all this to transpire in the last like three and a half weeks to see like, like we've all talked about it, like as Blue Jackets fans, like you're building this franchise 
up until three and a half weeks ago around Pierre-Luc Dubois, Seth Jones, and Zach Wierenski. Those are the three people that you're building this franchise around. Everybody else is going to fall into place, but those are the three that you're looking to the future with. And so for us to like be so unknown or like to have such an unknown about what the future is during those three and a half weeks to then have him be traded for Patrick Laine and Jack Roslovic. I won't say that Jack Roslovic is the kind of player that you build your team around necessarily. Um, that would be irresponsible <laughs> to say that, but Patrick Laine is, and you look at it and you think, okay, like maybe this guy is going to be the one that sticks and is like, yeah, I'm going to play in Columbus, Ohio. Like he, this is, this is a spot for me. And, and no, no disrespect to Nick Foligno or Cam Atkinson, but I'm talking like those, the, the high caliber all-star guys at year in and year out, like competing for heart trophies, like those kind of guys just have not stuck around here. And so he could be the one. And I mean, it's irresponsible as a Blue Jackets fan to think that that's just going to happen, like, because he was traded here and, and that must mean that he wants to be here. Like, see Artemi Panarin, see, like, but like, it's still like a renewed sense of optimism that maybe that could be the case. And I think this is not shade to Winnipeg. I don't know if we have any listeners in Winnipeg, so please don't take this the wrong way. Or if you're listening because you want to hear a Blue Jackets perspective on this trade, a Blue Jackets fans perspective on this trade, and you're listening, I'm so sorry. Don't take this the wrong way. But in the past, we've seen players come from Chicago to Columbus and be like, ooh, I don't know like, if that's like where I want to stay or things like that. Um, we're looking at somebody who's coming from Winnipeg to Columbus. Um, I think that's an upgrade. Like, I think that that is quite the upgrade, just like in the style of living and life too. So like, we don't have to like wow him with the city. I don't think as much as like we have to wow somebody coming from Chicago or wow somebody who's been traded from New York or Philadelphia, like we have in the past. Well, and I think one of the, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, you and I, before we started recording is I think one of the things about trades is that they go so much better when they're traded with a teammate. Um, because they have someone, you know, much like anything, anytime you can go somewhere new with a friend, it always just goes better. And Patrick said in his, you know, uh, interviews today that he's already talked to Jack about Columbus. Jack's been like, Columbus is the best city uh, on the face of the planet. And he genuinely seems excited about the opportunity to come to Columbus and to play and to really be a part of the franchise. And he has no reason to really kind of sugarcoat that at all. Like, obviously we weren't on his, like, he never said to his management, like, no, I definitely don't want to go to Columbus. Like, don't, you know, don't do that. Whereas other players have definitely done that in the past. And, you know, I think that this is an opportunity and, you know, the, the franchise and the fans and a good majority of the players for the last few years have said, we only want people on this team who want to be Blue Jackets. We are a team that needs the players to buy in to who we are as a team, to our franchise, to our city. Um, and loyalty is a very big part of our locker room and yes we're not delusional enough to think that every player that comes to Columbus is going to stay we always you know we still need to make trades and people will leave and whatnot but we want them to leave knowing and being proud of the experience that they had you know while they were in our city and while they were on our while they were on our team and 
you know, and that's another reason why I'm happy to get another person out of our locker room and out of this, you know, the presence of the team because they truly didn't want to be here anymore. And that's disheartening because like I said earlier, he was a fan favorite. He was someone that we had dedicated a lot of time and energy to, and he just has been so disrespectful. And, and I'm not just saying that because, you know, he truly has. He's been very vague, very off-putting, very, like, refusing to play well is really just a slap in the face to the team that gave him his career. Um, when, you know, you've told me before, because he was drafted prior to me being a fan, but you told me before that when we drafted him third overall in the 2016 draft, everyone was like, really? Seems like a high number for him. Yeah, like, no, I mean, it was like, I just remember like for weeks and weeks, like that was the conversation around the league and around, you know, just circles talking about how there was no way that this, this guy was better than uh, Jesse Pugliarvi, um, who plays for Edmonton. He was drafted by Edmonton fourth overall and still plays there. And I mean, obviously like that has turned out to, I mean, Jesse Pugliarvi is still very young as is Pierre-Luc Dubois, so a lot can change. But I mean, to this point, yeah, I mean, Yarmo Kekalainen looks like a genius like for that trade. And regardless of how this thing transpired, I mean, the Jackets are still in a much better position after having drafted Pierre-Luc Dubois in 2016. And I think that that's a lot of what kind of rubs me the wrong way about this, right? Is like with players like, you know, Artemi Panarin. Artemi Panarin was traded to Columbus. Um, he wasn't had he didn't have any movement protection or anything like that like he was traded to Columbus but every day he was in Columbus he worked his ass off and once he became a UFA he had the option to move on and he did he was an undrafted free agent and that's why and he had the you know ability to sign with whoever he wanted coming out of Russia and he signed with Chicago because it's an understanding that that player wants to be in a big market and wants to be in a big city so he signs with Chicago gets traded to Columbus it is what it is he deal with it like play like earn earn your way and then once you get to ufa sign with a big big name franchise sign with a big city and he did that he went to new york and i can't fault him for that and you know sergey bobrovsky similarly i mean like i know that we ran into some bumps in the road with him in his final year as a blue jacket but i mean you talk about that playoff run and you talk about all that kind of stuff and and he stayed through and played until his last day as a columbus blue jacket and so i have a hard time you know holding any kind of like anger or hostility toward those two players I know that you have a little bit of a harder time forgiving Artemi Panarin specifically and Sergei Dubrovsky but I look at this Pierre-Luc Dubois situation and you're talking about uh, a team drafted you third overall when you're in no way projected that like you're not projected to be that and at the end of the day that's just a number I'm sure some players take it more seriously than others but nevertheless you're drafted third overall and then every resource that this team has they put into you they put into you to help you to develop into being a franchise center for this franchise to develop and to be a part of the future here and this is how this whole thing transpires and so that's where I begin to have a little bit of an issue with it and I think about like the exit and stuff like that and you hear the comments that like Yarmo Kekalina makes today which we'll talk about in a minute and it's like oh, this went south fast. Like, and it went sour up at the very top. Like, I don't think it went sour with um, with 
John Tortorella, like, uh, yes, they had their moments, but like everything, like even Yarmulke Kalina today said, no, like this was not a result of, um, this is not a result of the relationship between John Tortorella and Pierre-Luc Dubois. And that's like the most clarity we've gotten on the situation, even though it's the most ambiguous answer <laughs> to like the entire question. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's well, what rubbed I, me the wrong way about the situation. Right. And I think, you know, kind of going back, like you said, I do have a more of a, an emotional response to Artemi Panarin and Bob leaving. Um, not so much Bob, like Bob, I get it. Bob was with us for seven years. He, you know, we had some issues with him in our, la- in his last year with us. Um, but it wasn't like, I don't know, it felt different with him. And, you know, ever since he, you know, the few times that he's been back, um, there's never been any like weirdness. He's always very respectful. Um, of the organization and of Columbus and all that sort of stuff. So I don't really have that much animosity towards Bob. I own a Bobrovsky jersey um, from my sister. Uh, that's a Shout funny story. Um, Artemi Panarin, I have poor feelings towards similarly to what I will now continue to have towards Pierre-Luc Dubois is that, yes, he, every decision that he made he decided to go to Chicago. He got traded to Columbus. When he became a UFA, he wanted to go to an original six. He wanted to go be in New York, be a New York Ranger. Like I 1000% get that. What I don't appreciate is being an asshole about leaving Columbus and making it seem like Columbus is this terrible place that nobody ever wants to go to or play for and that he you know is just so much better off being in new york and all this sort of stuff he would have been the highest paid player in the nhl if he stayed with us you know like we clearly you know it's not and we're also not a podunk town like it's not like we're a a team that's stuck in the middle of a field we have a beautiful arena a city that supports us and is a good team to play for. So that's my issue. My issue is the just way that you're walking, the way that you're leaving this opportunity. And the same goes for PLD. Like he just, it's disrespectful. And to be 22 years old, our Tommy Panarin was older when he left. Um, but I just think that that's his attitude and his way of dealing with things. And he wants to be a big shot. Pierre Dubois is 22 years old and he's thinking that he is just totally fine to blow off the team, the town, the fans, whatever that built his career. And it's just, that's why I'm just not. And I think, I know we're going to talk about comments a little bit more here in a second, but my favorite comment was from Yarmo Kakalainen today when someone asked him, is this a bittersweet situation for you? You know, you are the one that took a chance on PLD. You're the one that drafted him when no one else was going to draft him that high. You've thrown this money, this time, this effort into him and to have it go down like this. And without any hesitation, he said, absolutely not, not bittersweet at all. Yeah. I mean, that was like 
one of the funnier and that's the thing right like Yarmou is almost always like the most like consummate professional that there is like he's so good at this business and like he's so good at separating emotions from reality but his responses today like were absolutely sending me like they were petty they were lovely like I loved every second of it like you just said like the quote that was like not bittersweet at all we're pretty excited here I was like okay like and then and then he was like um you know somebody had talked about like okay like this is the third overall pick like you know as somebody who cares about like scouting and like draft picks and things like that like like what are your thoughts on that and like how hard is it to part with the number three overall pick and he was like well it's not that hard we got the number two overall pick from that draft and so on so forth I was like okay Armo like you know it's it's been fascinating to hear his responses to the situation and and realistically like everybody's responses to the situation I mean even players like Zach Wierenski saying you know like we need guys in this room that are going to want to win and we have 22 or 23 of those guys and, and we don't need the people who don't want to be here to win. And even that I'm like, okay, like Zach Wierenski doesn't say much. He likes a lot of things, but he doesn't say much. And, <laughs> and so um, that's, a, that's a topic for another day. Yeah, right. um, but yeah, no. So I think it's just fascinating to watch this, these interactions and, and, you know, Nick Foligno saying that, you know, obviously like Pierre Luke wasn't playing to the standard that he needed to and he wasn't playing the brand of hockey that the Blue Jackets needed him to um and you know at the end of the day like he's not going to hold it against Luke I don't believe him but um I just think it's I, I think it's fascinating to watch how this all happens and interacts and I'm so glad that this isn't going to be something that's going to have like carry on through the season I'm so glad that this is behind us that the trade has happened you know I'll I'll casually watch number 13 Pierre-Luc Dubois from afar, like with in Winnipeg. Um, I am so mad that he took that number. <laughs> like it fills me with rage that he was like, I'm going to be number 13. You are, n I mean, we're not talking about play. I'm talking about standard of human right now. You are nothing like Cam Atkinson, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Like, come on. And everything that he's done today since the trade has been completed has just been petty and annoying. And again, like we said in the last episode, both of us get paid to deal with spoiled 22-year-olds. And he is acting like a spoiled 22-year-old. And it's just, it's ridiculous. But we, I think, in my opinion, from what I know about hockey, what Jeremy has taught me about hockey, is we got the better end of this deal and I could not be more excited now that I'm not excited for both of them and I'll and I'll talk about why but to have we both looked at each other today and said Patrick Line is a blue jacket like that's incredible to have someone like him on our team and I just am very excited to get things started with him once he gets he has a little minor injury right now but once he gets you know here and healed up and ready to go there's potential for this to be an incredible thing for the Blue Jackets 100 percent and I think yeah I mean to your point about like looking at each other and being like Patrick Line is a Columbus Blue Jacket and I think that that's so interesting too like today like uh, in that same quote that I brought up about like the number two pick where 
Yarma was like, yeah, we would have given up a lot to get up to number two. So it's just like, oh my God, it's like, <laughs> like, it was just like everything was so good. Um, so yeah, I mean, the Columbus Blue Jackets have a goal score in Patrick Laine that they haven't really ever had. I mean, um, so, you know, it's going to be a fascinating, fascinating few months as we kind of go into the season and we start to wrap up the season and then we start to look toward the future of like what this team looks like. Cause like quite real, quite honestly, like there's still a lot of question marks about the future of this team and maybe not necessarily in every aspect, but like there are a lot of question marks. And so it'll be fascinating to see what happens. Um, I think the one thing that, that again, we learned and, and I, I think it's so funny because the talk has gone quiet on Twitter, but like, all I read on Thursday when Pierre-Luc Dubois got benched was John Tortorella is the worst coach. This is all John Tortorella. He's the reason Pierre-Luc Dubois wants out. And I haven't seen an ounce of that today anywhere. Um, and I think that's because reality started to set in with people in the fact that, like, this was not a torch situation. And I actually, Kelly, um, and that's why I was, like, looking down. Kelly sent me a, a tweet thread. Um, from Eddie Lack, who is a former NHL goalie um, who played for John Tortorella. And he tweeted earlier today, he tweeted, not sure why Torts gets all this hate. Most former players loved playing for him. Tough, but very fair. And yes, I should love, I know I should love him because he started me in the Heritage Classic, but I also loved him when I barely played. <laughs> and Tom Sestito, who is actually a former Blue Jacket uh, for a short stint, um, replied and said, best coach I had in the NHL and would run through a wall for that guy. His camps were hell, but that was expected. Um, and then, you know, questions like, um, uh, where was it? This was the one that really got me was, um, uh, uh, Eddie, we literally have seen him abuse players on camera. And Eddie Lack replied, I played for an abusive coach and his name is not John Tortorella. <laughs> so it's just like. Right. And I think, you know, I think people who've been really watching this and tracking this, the behavior both from the team and from PLD over the last two days since that game that he was benched, I think it became very clear. And I think Yarmo made it a point to make it very clear that this did not have anything to do with Torts and his coaching styling. This was simply like went sour from the top. Like, and that's that's unfortunate but torts does not need does not need to blame him. and of course everyone wants to blame the guy who you know has been known for lashing out at interviews and at his players but like you just said it is way easier to find a player who loves and respects torts and thanks him for the things that he's taught them than it is to find someone who absolutely cannot stand him, will not play for him. Even Anthony Duclair, who we traded in the middle of a season at the trade deadline, um, right after a game, actually. Um, <laughs> and there was some, you know, they went back and forth a lot for the short amount of time that he was on our team. But even after that, when he was in Ottawa, he would say, I loved playing for Torts. I loved how much he taught me. He taught me to be a better player and he gave me skills to build upon. And I think we're seeing that now as he's now down in Florida. He did, I thought he did fairly well 
in Ottawa. He had a long stretch of time where he didn't um, produce as much, but it wasn't, you know, it's not like he went there and was a terrible player, but he's already doing well in Florida. And I think you could credit some of that to John Tortorella. Yeah, for sure. I think I am personally just very excited to see how Line and Tortorella interact because like the thought is, oh, like he's not gonna be able to like Line is not gonna be able to play with John Tortorella, this, that, and the other. Well, a couple things about that. Nothing says that John Tortorella is gonna be the head coach of this hockey team for anything more than this year. I hope to God I'm wrong, but like if anybody like that man deserves a nice retirement, <laughs> like if I'm honest with you. And I like especially after this season, like all the drama that he's had to put up with as the coach of the Blue Jackets. And he's done it with such grace and like hasn't like lost his cool in the way that he traditionally has. Um, you know, that man does sign that he's heading towards retirement. Well, all I'm saying is that man deserves to ride off in the sunset um, of, uh, you know, like, like riding his horse on his farm, like all that kind of stuff, like all that stuff. So um, I would not be upset if he, like, I would be upset, but, like, he deserves it. On top of that, like, there was never any concern about uh, Artemi Panarin and um, John Tortorella. Like, John Tortorella kind of let Artemi Panarin play the game that Artemi Panarin wanted to play because of how much he produced and, like, how well he played, and he was never really a liability. Now, mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. If Patrick Laine is, like, a, a liability on the ice and, like, he's allowing far more chances than he's producing – maybe John Tortorella will get in his ass a little bit. But again, like, it's not like an abusive, like, I want to treat you like crap kind of thing. It's like, I'm coaching you. Like, you're 22. You play in the Premier League of hockey in the in the world. Um, I'm coaching you. Like, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's my job. That's what I get paid to do. And so I think well, a lot of people overreact I, to the coaching aspect of things. Yes, and I also think that, you know, based on what little I've seen of, of Patrick Line a and how he holds himself as a professional he's 22 he's only played for one team why is everyone like well he could he could never play for another coach or he could never play for an, a coach that doesn't have this coaching style if he is that specific kids not gonna go very far because every nhl coach is different in some way and not many players play their whole career for one team. So he had, and even if they do, that team isn't guaranteed to have the same coach that whole time. So I always find it kind of insane whenever people are like, well, there's no way he could play for that coach or, you know, blah, blah, blah. blah. And it's like, they, this is their job. Every, in everyone's job, your boss could change at any moment. So you need to be flexible to that or there's no reason for you to be working in that position because management changes and you have to go with it. That's part of working, whether you're a hockey player, a secretary, a teacher, like anything in between, management changes and you need to be able to go with that. So I think it's kind of a, not really a diss, I don't want to say that, but it's kind of like not giving him the benefit of the doubt that he's capable of adjusting to a new coach and a new team. Um, like give him the opportunity. And again, we, I think we talked about this in the last episode is that, you know, yes, Torts has a reputation, but there's 24 
plus people that play for the Columbus Blue Jackets, one of them requested to leave. The rest of them have not said anything. The rest of them seem fairly happy to be playing in the National Hockey League and to be playing as a Columbus Blue Jacket and for John Tortorella. Like, that's, that's just it. Like, it's so ridiculous to blame him and to think that things are going to go in such and such a way once Patrick Line gets here. And, you know, I just hope that, you know, obviously you never know until someone's here, but I think he seems genuinely happy about it. I know our staff seems genuinely happy about it. I think our players are going to be genuinely happy about it. Um, so potentially this could be a really great thing. And we haven't really um, talked about him yet, but the other person <laughs> who is coming with Patrick Laine is very exciting for a lot of different reasons. And one of those is that he is a hometown boy. And um, Jack Roslovic was born and raised in Columbus, played for the Columbus AAA team. He grew up as a Blue Jackets fan, um, has played in the past um, with several of our players, and he is so excited to have gotten the opportunity to play for his home team. And for, like we've said over and over again, for a team that is so focused on its community, its fan base, its city, to have a homegrown player like this who's going to come in and is excited, um, that's just a big deal. Like, I looked at Jeremy today and I was like, what a gift for his parents. Like, his parents to be able to come to the arena that they brought him to as a kid um, and see his name up on the screen. Like that is such a bit and wearing wearing the blue jacket sweater. Like that's I can't even imagine what that would be like. That's just so exciting. And, you know, he's not as huge of a name as Patrick Line, but I think he's gonna bring something to our team. And I think the loyalty aspect is really gonna be a benefit. I don't know what what your thoughts are on that, Jeremy. Yeah, no, for sure. I was gonna say, I think your emotional side is showing a little bit, Laura. Um, but um no I think yeah I mean Jack Roslovic is somebody who hasn't necessarily had the the kind of opportunity in Winnipeg and, and that's not really anybody's fault it's just Winnipeg is it's kind of an underrated team like I kind of think of Winnipeg as like the Canadian Blue Jackets where it's like I think they have so much talent on that team and they can always make the playoffs and they just can't necessarily like push it forward to that next step. I, I think they made the conference finals a couple years ago against Vegas, but um, you know, I, Winnipeg is a, is a damn good team. Like, and as much as I hate to say it, like the addition of Pierre-Luc Dubois, like, so, like solidified their center ice in a way that's like really powerful. And so that'll be interesting to see how they do. But I think to your point about Jack Rossovic, like he just hasn't had the opportunity necessarily in Winnipeg that I think he's going to get in Columbus. And so I think it'll be interesting to see the way that he develops here. Um, you know, he signed a two-year, um, I believe it was like a $3.8 million contract. So I'm looking forward to seeing like what these two years are like for him, uh, seeing, you know, how he produces. And yeah, I mean, there is something really cool about the idea of a hometown. I won't call him a hometown hero quite yet, but like having somebody who was born in Columbus, raised in Columbus and, and you know, grew up a Blue Jackets fan, right? And I mean, like, 
this is like I'm, I'm fairly certain that him and I are about the same age and so it's like he's 23 so yeah you guys yeah. are the same age and so like I think about like like I think about like the Blue Jackets that I grew up watching and it's like he grew up watching the exact same Blue Jackets like same time period all that kind of stuff like and I'm thinking oh my god like I couldn't imagine like having watched them play like in like the early or like mid uh well I guess like early is it tens I don't know what to call it tens, but, yeah. Yeah, like that team was so bad like it was so bad year in and year out like it was terrible and, and I mean like before they made the playoffs for the first time it was just like oh my god this team was so bad to watch and like growing up watching that and like still being a fan of them and then like to see it through to like actually being a Columbus Blue Jacket like that's crazy like I can't even imagine like what that must have been like um you know for him and then obviously like Cole Sherwood also a member of the organization um was the first blue, uh, yeah I'm pretty sure was the first person born in Columbus to start an NHL game in Columbus mm-hmm. um and this is no disrespect to Cole Sherwood but like is not currently an active member of the NHL squad and, and hasn't really found a, a home on the NHL squad quite yet and so thinking about the fact that like you're gonna have a, a lineup regular and Jack Roslovic on the ice every night for the Columbus Blue Jackets like that's pretty dope like that is so cool and I, and I think that that's like one of those points of a franchise where it's like you have I mean like because there are a lot of like I won't be surprised if one day like Austin Matthews like plays for the Arizona Coyotes because you know like being from Phoenix and like all that kind of stuff and like how much like that can really get people inspired and like into it and how much it helps the local game and all that kind of stuff and the development programs. So again, not trying to compare Jack Roslovic to Austin <laughs> Matthews, but like how fun is this? Like, it's so cool. And I've, I've wanted Jack Roslovic to be a Columbus Blue Jacket for the longest time. Like even before, like when he was like setting up to be drafted, um, he was drafted the year before Pierre Dubois. So he was drafted in 2015 and it was like, there, there's no way that, um, you know, he's falling out of the first round so the Jackets could pick him up in the second round. But um, no, it's just so, so fun to like be able to see this develop. And I'm really excited for it. Um, like Yarmo Kekalainen said today, like in his conversation, like anytime he's had a conversation with the um, general manager of the Winnipeg Jets, whose name, I, they call him Chevy. And I know why, because his, his name is like, it's, it's funky. Like it's mm-hmm. gnarly. Um, so every time he's had a conversation with him, he said, Jack Rosovic has been on my radar. Like I've always asked, is he available? What would you want for him? Um, and so it's nice to see that come through to fruition, but what this does, Laura, <laughs> is, um, and we talked a little bit about it on our recap episode today. There, there is a weird kind of roadblock happening mm-hmm. in our lineup, very specifically in like those like middle six in that second and third line kind of area um even into the fourth line like the bottom nine are are so clogged up right now and looking at talent that we have that's currently been playing um you know we talked a little bit about it on the recap episode about how today you have Stenlin and Gerby fill in um Gerby replaces Bemstrom as Bemstrom moves to the taxi squad um whether that's fair or unfair you know is for other people to decide but like Gerby plays well and Stenland steps in in the place of Pierre-Luc Dubois because he was you know traded and so um obviously like with Roslovic and with Line going to come into the equation like those are two spots that you have to make so like naturally you would think that you're going to see Stenland and um and Gerby like fall back out of the lineup but then you also have to consider 
that before Line gets here, Miku Koivu is going to be activated and he's going to need somewhere to play, like in theory. So it's like, who in the hell do you move where? And so I was talking to Laura and I thought it might be a fun idea for us to talk a little bit about what we would do if our name was John Tortorella. Well, and the other sort of like interesting thing about this that you and I were talking about, I don't know if we were talking about it when I was recording or if we were just sitting on the couch talking, but um, this is a strange thing to have be a problem as a Blue Jackets fan, um, to have too many players that are line worthy and that are not necessarily like not up to par to play and so these decisions feel so much more personal and so much more like kind of pull at your heartstrings a little bit because you don't want to take an opportunity away from someone you don't want them to feel like they're not producing or that they're not playing well especially when it comes to the young guys and I think you know, we both said, you know, we really hope that the front office is having these conversations. And I'm sure that that Torts is also having these conversations with them and reaffirming, reaffirming to them that this is an unusual circumstance, that this is a situation where we have so much talent in various phases that we have to keep shuffling around until we find the right combination. And that we also have to consider that, as we know from last year, this team is not a stranger to injury. We are only six games into this season. There are still 50 more to go. Someone's getting hurt in that time frame. Like, it would be hard to imagine that not happening. Um, and also with COVID, we have to think about the changes that are going to have to occur if one or more players end up in COVID protocol, like we've seen with, with Miko Koivu, and how long they have to stay out for that. I mean, four of the top players for the Washington Capitals are out for the next four games because of COVID protocol. Like, and this has been striking each team differently. So my hope is that the front office is having these conversations with some of these players that are gonna be swapping out between the taxi squad and the main starting lineup you know that this isn't you know it isn't a personal thing it's a we still value you you're still a great player we just need to figure out what the best combination is right now and then go from there so because I don't feel like anyone that we're gonna pull potentially from the current starting lineup and put back on the taxi squad is going to end up going to Cleveland. Like, I think they're just going to remain on the taxi squad because they are so, you know, even slated with the people who are currently starting. Not that going to Cleveland is a terrible thing. It's not. It gives you time to play, puts you on the ice, it keeps you this, that, or the other thing. But it's just, it's a tough thing. So, yeah, so I'm going to let you lead us into our, our next activity. But that's, yeah. I wanted to say that real quick. Well, yeah, and just to kind of touch on that too, it's like you also have to be careful with that because you can't move somebody to the taxi squad without them going through waivers, and you can't have somebody go through waivers without potentially being claimed by any of the other teams without having to repay you something. And then some of these players also on one-way contracts, two-way contracts, like makes things a little bit more complicated. And so it, it 
it'll be interesting because like we could lose somebody two waivers that we don't want to lose. Um, and so, yes, kind of going into our, our little segment here. I don't really know what to call the segment. I guess it's like a, Oh shit segment. <laughs> like it's, it's like a, how oh, do we shit, make we're this? now the coaches. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, I know for sure. Maybe we're the abusive coaches. Mm. (laughs) you've seen me with how I work with students I would be a terrible coach I would be like you're all great yeah we'd be down like eight to one and you'd be like y'all are doing so good just like remember to think positively and like maybe this will work out um we're gonna get ice cream after the game (laughs) whatever you're too much um (laughs) okay so let's talk about our first line because I feel like I could see our first line being the same you want to start with first line? Okay. Yeah, let's start with the first line. Oh, I'm, and I want to preface this, listeners. Jeremy is much better at this kind of stuff than I am because I'm still learning and I don't know, like, certain things. So I'm already going to tell you that I feel like my lineup is crap, but we will go through this. Um, but just to give you an FYI, Jeremy is much better at this than I am. So I don't want to invalidate you before you even start, right? Mm-hmm. But Laura is the kind of person who drafted Cam Atkinson first overall in our fantasy hockey league because she loves Cam Atkinson so much. So, like, Cam Thank Atkinson you. is probably going to be on this first Letting line. Letting me down. No, he's not. Oh, he's not? Okay. <laughs> if Cam Atkinson is on this first line, then I'm going to have to I've drag you. I've said it before. I am critical of him. I am critical of him. You've heard it in earlier episodes. Um... But yeah, I have a little bit more of a weird emotional response to these this type of activity versus Jeremy, who is way more up to date on not up to date. I just was more knowledgeable um, about the specifics. But okay, let's do top line. Who we put out there? Should we do it by position? No, you could just name the three. Okay, so for my left winger. I have Line A. Okay. For my right winger, I have Oliver Bjorkstrand. And for my center, I have Mika Koivu. On your first line? I don't know anything about him. I felt confident. <laughs> oh, I like, I thought this was a home run. Like, you named your wingers, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, we're going to have the same one because, like, there's only one obvious choice, I think, and that's Max Domi. See, I wasn't sure because I, so what, so you have Max, are our wingers the same? Yes, our wingers are the same, but I have Max down the middle. Okay, so then moving to the second line, which is where I have Max, I have Max as the second line center. Sure. With Boone on the left and Cam on the right. I'm not super mad at that one. I mean, like, again, like, I, I don't know that Domi's the two there, but, like, I'm okay with your wingers. I have um, I have uh, Nick on my left, and I have Cam on my right, and then I have Tex down the middle. Um, mm. I just like the way that Cam and Nick play together. And, I and like, even today, like, they, you know, Nick scores a goal off of Cam's rebound. Like, I just think that, like, Cam, Cam can put the puck on net and, like, doesn't necessarily always finish, but, like, can create those, like, weird goals, like, in front yes. of the net. And I think Nick does a really good job of scoring those goals. And so I think, I think that they, 
work really well together. They are like a weird, like gruesome twosome sort of situation. Gruesome twosome. They're also just like best friends out yeah. of the ring too. Um, but yeah, well, I also have Tex playing a different position in mine. That's fine, yeah. Um, but I also like, I don't know, I'm still not giving up the hope that like Max and Cam are going to become this like incredible duo together. I, and I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I hear you. Let the ship sail, but like, I just want that for me in my heart but I don't think it'll happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hear you. I just think that that's got to be Line A. Like, I think that Max and, pa- and Patrick Line A, like, that could be stupid. Like, that could be so good. Um, and I'm all about that, too. It's just, again, my emotional reaction right. to setting things up for Cam is, you know, deeper than other things. Um, so my third line, I this have... This is where I'm starting to get nervous. Like, I'm nervous at the bottom six. Like, I think this is where we're going to... This is where the girls are going to fight. See, I think my fourth line makes total sense, but we'll get there. So my on my third line, I have Nick on the left. I have Tex on the right. And then I have Roslevic in the center. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean... That, I like that for one reason, and it's because I like when Nick plays with one or more of the younger guys because he has that, like obviously he's the captain so he has the leadership presence but I think he's really encouraging of the younger guys when he's on the ice with them and especially someone like Roslevic who's going to be coming in this is his home team this you know giving him the opportunity to be out there with the captain and potentially make like some really big moves like that just seems awesome to me. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's kind of why I like Felino and Tex playing together on that second line. I mean, Tex, is, Tex has been our best offensive player. Like, I, I think he needs more than just third line minutes, and that's why I have him, like, on the second line. Um, my third line, not super different. Um, I have Boone on my left, Roslovic down the middle, and then I have Mikhail Grigorenko on my right. Um, so I think, again, like, Grigorenko is one of those players where I don't see him as a fourth liner. But you can't, like, I mean, you can put him on the taxi squad, but if you do, like, again, like, he's going to be able to be claimed on waivers. Like, you're going to lose him because his contract's so low, and I don't know if that's good asset management. And so, and I haven't, there's nothing about Mikhail uh, Grigorenko that I've seen over the course of, of this season where I've been like, oh, I don't like what you're doing. Like, I thought he's actually shown moments where I'm like, oh, like, he could be really good for us. It just, he needs to click. And so... I don't know if that's probably my least favorite line that I have, but it is what it is kind of vibe. Like, I can't really think of a better way to piece that one together. Right. All right. So talk to me about this fourth line that just makes sense that you've got going on. Well, it did make sense until I remembered that I forgot about someone. Um, If you forgot about the same person I forgot about, I'll laugh. No, I forgot about Greg Renko. I'm dumb. No, you're not. So originally my he's new so that's my excuse he's new he's not fully embedded up here yet gotta play so. like at least eight games to be on laura's radar exactly um unless you're came accident and it only takes four um so my fourth line i have robinson on the left 
originally I had Bemstrom on the right and then Nash in the middle. But now I want to put Gregorenko on the right. <laughs> I have some thoughts. Okay. So I have Koivu in the middle of that fourth line. Again, I didn't know anything about him and I was giving comments. That's not super where I have my thoughts. Okay. On the left wing, I have somebody that you don't have. And it's Liam Foodie. This is where I, it was hard. It was hard <laughs> because I was like, and I didn't forget about him. I love him. Again, I said it in like the first or second episode of this podcast that I have a special place in my heart for Liam Foody because he was my first NHL draft. Like, and so I, I'm attached to him as a person. But it came down to it again. I was like, God, blah. Like, plus the, the things are all messed up and the position. The positions aren't right on the stupid roster that's on the app. And so, like, that's why I kept, for all of you who are curious about this, Jeremy and I are in my house right now, but we can't be in the same room to record. So he's upstairs and I'm downstairs. And so for, like, a half an hour before we started recording, I was just yelling questions up the stairs about things because there were like 19 people that were listed as a center and I was like not all these people are centers but they didn't have the other position that they play so there we are so yes unfortunately Liam Foody ended up in my taxi squad because I got overwhelmed understood and that's okay I I kind of even like with Gregorenko and Foody like I would almost switch them like in my head like the more I look about this like do you put Foody on the on the third line I mean I, my thing is like I don't know that we have fourth-line players. Like, and that's what's weird about this roster is, like... We don't. I don't think we have, like, grinder for... And, and that's, like, also, like, the thing is, like, I I grew up, like, the hockey that I watched growing up, like, the fourth line was always, like, your, your grinded-out line, your aggressive line, the line that you put out when you need a spark. Not going to score you many goals, but they're going to drive play, and they're going to, you know, they're going to make sure that the energy is high. Um, but then I had... I couldn't like, I couldn't really decide between um, between Eric Robinson and Riley Nash on my right. Um, where this also becomes interesting, and this was I told you that I had like a little like kink to throw at you mm-hmm. in this whole thing. Gus Nyquist is going to be back by the end of the year. Like, oh, I miss him so much. <laughs> well, right, and it's like, where the fuck do you put Gus Nyquist? <laughs> Like, where do you, like, who do you take out? Like, and that's the thing, right? Like, this is all going to figure itself out a little bit because we're looking at a team that has uh, contract extensions to sign with um, with Kevin Stenland, with Miku Koivu, with Mikhail Gregorenko, with Nick Felino, with Texier, with Line A. So, I mean, like, we've got a lot of play, like, and obviously, like, Texier is going to be here still. Line A is going to be here still with him being an RFA. Stenland will be here still if he wants to be here still. But, like, Nash is also going to be a res- or an unrestricted free agent. So, it's like, like, you can't re-sign Riley Nash. Like, I can't imagine re-signing Riley Nash. I don't think you're going to be able to re-sign Miku Koivu. Obviously, we haven't seen him play much. And then, like, Mikhail Gregorenko. I clearly like, have way too much faith in him, and I haven't even seen him play. Right. Um, I hope you're right. Um, 
but Mikhail Gregorenko, I mean, like, I don't know, like, I don't know if he's going to be on the, like, so we'll see. It's just going to be absolutely unique to see the way that this thing pieces together. And we'll start to get a little bit of a glimpse of that, I think, on Tuesday when the Jackets take on the Panthers. Uh, we'll see Roslovic in the lineup for the first time. We'll see Miku Koivu in the lineup for the first time. Maybe he'll start the first line with. He's not going to. This is just another, like, this is just a thing. <laughs> I love it, though. Because he's a veteran, like, and he, you know, we brought him on for a specific purpose, which was to add a veteran presence in the locker room and, like, on the ice and stuff. I just naturally assume that that means that you're, like, also a step above as a player. And so I'm like, oh, okay, well, that, that must mean that he's also, like, like, top, top notch. Not that he's not, but I, based on your reaction, I don't believe that he's now first line top notch. Um, I also don't think he will be, but I hope he is for you, Laura. I think that you're being just nice so that the, the fans, the listeners don't see the smirk that you make when you're trying to reassure me of my terrible decisions. That's the beautiful um, part about this being an audio only podcast, Laura. That is, that is true. Um, but, and that's again, the naivety, naivete of someone who's only been a fan for three years. Um, so, but no, yeah, no, we just, there's so many good pieces. And it, again, like I said, it feels so weird to be in this circumstance. And Oh, you no, know, obviously I want the best for our team and I want the best combination of all of these people, but it's going to be hard to lose those pieces from an emotional standpoint um, because I get attached. Um, but it's going to be interesting. It's going to be, yeah, a wild, wild ride for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Without a doubt. Well, like I said, Jack Rosovic will tune it, like will come in on Tuesday. So that'll be the first piece of this trade that we see. Hopefully Patrick Line, um, you know, he'll probably miss three to four games is my expectation, like with him trying to secure his visa and then just like making sure that he's in like the COVID protocol for a week, all that kind of stuff. Um, he's got an upper body injury that in theory isn't supposed to be too um too much of a long-term situation he's feeling pretty confident in the fact that he'll be able to get back out there uh pretty quickly which hey i'll take it um so you know looking forward to seeing him on the ice for the first time as a blue jacket i i'm excited i am very excited and this is where like laura and i talk about it and she always like makes fun or kind of gets mad at me i think a little bit when i talk about how much I love the messiness of it. Like I love trades. Like I love the off season. I love the trade deadline. Like those are my favorite times. And you're going to be able to tell that like when we get closer to those times and I'm buzzing and Laura is stressed the fuck out. Like that's going to be like where you can tell like our. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure the first time the listeners hear me cry on the podcast is probably going to be as we near the trade deadline. And 100%. Because it just, it does, it stresses me out so much. I don't like, for some reason, it's like easier in the summer when we do trades and send someone, so, like send someone somewhere else. Um, 
because you know we're not actively watching them all the time but the trade deadline first of all it is always it won't this year but it is in years past it's always been like the week before my birthday mm-hmm. and it just my heart has been ripped out in some way shape or form you know in a time where I'm supposed to be like happy and loving hockey and go you know so yeah the, the first time you probably hear me cry on on this show will be as we get closer to the trade deadline 100 percent. well laura do you have any other final thoughts as we wrap up this special episode talking about the columbus blue jackets trading pierre Luc dubois on a third round pick to winnipeg in exchange for patrick line and jack roslovic um i think the only thing that i have to say is that i am grateful to yarmo for always having the team's best interests. oh my god no shit at heart and for truly doing so much for Columbus. I think, you know, any player that comes in and out of this franchise makes some sort of impact, but the work that he's done um, in the front office to bring in these quality people um, all the time is really just says a lot about him and how well he is versed in this field and what and how lucky we are to have him. But also to say, you know, best of luck to PLD. Do whatever you need to do in Winnipeg, which is a similar size market to us. So again, if that is the reason why you wanted to leave, that doesn't make any sense to me. But okay, dude. Also that I hope that you learned to um, handle your business better as you continue on in your career. Um, We are going to boo you next time you come to Columbus, it's going to be a while because obviously we don't play Winnipeg um, at all this year, unless for some reason we were to meet up in the Stanley Cup finals. Um, but yeah, just, just do better, man. And I'm super excited for our new guys to get here and for this like little dark cloud to be lifted from over top of Columbus. Yeah. one. I mean, you, you wrapped it up really well. And I think, Yarmo Kekalainen, I'm, I'm, I'm raising a long drink to you, my friend, tonight for being able to figure this shit out because, again, it's one of those, like, I never had Patrick Line on my rate. Like, I thought we were going to have to give up more, more pieces than a third-round pick even to just get Patrick Line. But you're telling me we got Patrick Line, Jack Roslevic, four Pierre-Luc Dubois, and a 2022 third-round pick? I'll take it every day perfect asset management even if even if the guy doesn't stay in columbus it's it's another pawn to to make some moves to to make the team better and like you said that's what his job is and i the i think the columbus blue jackets got better today and maybe the winnipeg jets did too um only time will tell but i'm listen i hope we get to record a ton of these special episodes like these are fun like i love talking about the messiness of it all so really appreciate y'all tuning into this special edition of objectively speaking it's been so much fun talking to y'all tonight hope y'all have a wonderful night stay safe and we will talk with you soon bye